Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Coming up on Studos America, get your Blue Lives Matter flags out. We've got Live PD host Sean Larkin on. Governor Christy Noem takes the gloves off as we get closer, somehow getting closer to 2024 already. And when danger reared its ugly head, the Texas Democrats bravely turned and fled. Let's discuss the implication of these liberal cowards as we do runaway Democrats. Stu does America. I come to you from a state in peril. Oh, what a terrible place it is to be in Texas right now. I can't imagine it could get any worse. All of our Democrats are gone. Oh, no. I think it was the Babylon Bee that had the uh, headline today. Do we have that? Uh, other states look to Texas for advice on how to get their Democrats to leave. Yes, I think that part of me just wants to end the story there and, uh, and be happy about all of this. But I can't quite do that because I'm really pissed off tonight. Let me back up and give you the history of what has happened here. We started off with this crazy idea called a constitutional republic. They held elections, and guess what happened? In Texas, at least, Republicans got elected. That's what happened. And you know what? You're going to be shocked to hear the result and the, and the response from Democrats. Uh, Democrats didn't like that all that much. And I know that makes you feel sad inside. I know Democrats in other parts of the country were pretty excited. But the Democrats here lost. They lost the election. So what happens in that situation? Well, Republicans have power, and guess what? They prepared a voting bill, a bill that they designed to try to make sure our elections were secure, safe, reliable, and trusted. Not a crazy idea. Well, guess what? Democrats didn't like that either. Now, it's important to note here. The bill in Texas, as is the case all over red states in America, the bill does not do what the Democrats say it does. All over America, it's been presented as this evil, evil, evil thing. Oh, they're trying to stop black people from voting. They're trying to stop Hispanic people from voting. They're trying to stop women from voting. They're trying to stop Democrats from voting. They're trying to, you know, to repress and suppress the vote. Here's the, here's the thing. We wildly expanded voting access for the pandemic, for the pandemic. And you know what? Kind of made some sense, to be honest with you. We got close to a pandemic. We were in the middle of one. We didn't know what it would be like. Picture a different scenario. Picture a scenario that like the worst of Brazil was going on or the worst of India was going on right as the election happened a time where maybe we didn't know exactly what was going on we didn't have any treatments maybe our hospitals were overrun maybe people really couldn't go out uh, out uh, to, and and be inside to vote in a location let's just say the worst of the worst pandemic picture march 2020 in new york city and that was all over america we didn't know if that was going to be the reality at the time 
So it made some sense to make voting a little bit easier this time. It made sense to open up the laws in some ways, not every way, but in some ways to make sure, God forbid, the worst case scenario was going on when the election was going on. Our country didn't come to a halt. We were able to still honor the constitutional process. It was sold to us as an understandable one time thing. Guys, we're in the middle of a freaking pandemic. Who knows what it could look like in November? We better have a way to get people to vote or maybe nobody shows up. Maybe we have an election with 12 percent turnout. We don't want that, do we? No, we don't want that. Of course, obviously, if you know anything about politics, if you know anything about the media, if you know anything about the left, instead of saying, OK, well, we had this pandemic, this one time exception. Let's go back to the way it was. Instead, Democrats and the media have acted like the pandemic rules were permanent. They've always been permanent. We always knew this is how it was going to be forevermore. This is a blatant lie, and they know it's a lie. National Review summarized the logic of the left and the media. Quote, any expansion of any kind, hours, locations, methods of balloting must be permanent or any rollback will be deemed voter suppression. No matter how recently the expansion was created, no matter what it costs, no matter its impact on the security of the ballot or the speed and certainty of vote counts. This is obviously a ridiculous standard. For example, in Georgia, they passed a law that trimmed the available days for early voting from 45 to 21. The excuse for the bill was the extensive costs laid on local communities and their budgets. Was this a racist policy? It was supported by Republicans, right? Well, I mean, if it was supported by Republicans, surely it would be. But this bill was actually passed in 2011 and supported by none other than Stacey freaking Abrams. The truth here is that voting laws and all these hateful voting laws across the country, what they've done is they have largely expanded access from 2018. It makes no sense to look back at 2020 and compare it to 2020. It was a unique situation. Go back to the last normal election of 2018, and these laws have codified expansions uh, to access in almost all of these areas. And here's the truth. This is an uncomfortable truth for some people. Some pandemic expansions were bad ideas. I mean, come on, 24-7 voting? Is that a good idea? Unattended vote boxes? Really? Letting party operatives collect votes from people and then bring them to the polls themselves. Who on earth thinks that's a good idea? I mean, come on. Mailing ballots to people who didn't even ask for them, who might not even live at the place anymore. This is completely ridiculous and everybody knows it's ridiculous. So what happens when Republicans are going to pass some common sense voter reform? Well, first, the Democrats bail uh, from a, a few months ago. They do a, a special session and now the Democrats run for the hills or in this instance, the hill. They go to Washington, D.C., so after the Democrats lie about these bills and realize they're going to lose, they just leave. First, they run out of the building before they vote. Then they flee the state in a special session. Now, of course, there are ramifications to these actions. And Greg Abbott has now threatened 
that they're going to be arrested if they step foot in the state. Now, this seems extreme. This seems like uh, partisan uh, fighting that goes out of control. And I understand why people might think that. But think about what's going on here. The Democrats are getting paid and they are not showing up for work. These are taxpayer dollars. I live in this state. These are my dollars. You're taking my money and you're getting paid for work you are not doing. That doesn't work anywhere else in society, guys. That is theft. They are stealing our money. If I pay to bring my clothes to a dry cleaner every week and they return them crumpled up in a bag with the ketchup stain still on it, then they are stealing my money for services they are not providing. That is not okay. And a law of this state has a built-in remedy that the governor is looking to enforce, whether you like it or not. But step back from all of this for a moment and realize what's really going on here. This isn't about Texas. This is part of a larger plan. This is something that has been set up for a while. Democrats are trying to pass H.R. 1, a bill to nationalize elections. You should be offended that they're even attempting this because this is something that is absolutely against our system. Our government was set up not to be controlled from the top and have all of its elections run in Washington, D.C. This is a terrible idea, especially if you're on the left and you're thinking to yourself, you know what? I'm mad at Russian influence in our elections. Oh, good idea. Let's nationalize them to make it easier. Let's give them one centralized fail point. Good idea. This bill, H.R. 1, has already failed. They need fuel to make it pass. And they are trying to use the Texas situation and others by highlighting this pathetic trip of these awful representatives to go to Washington, D.C. and act like they're working. By the way, in a total monumental coincidence, who could have possibly guessed what Joe Biden was talking about in his speech today? Vice President Harris and I have spent our careers doing this work. And I've asked her to lead, to bring people together, to protect the right to vote in our democracy. Oh, wow. And it starts with continuing the fight to pass H.R. 1, the For the People Act. Who could have seen this coming, guys? Ah, let me clap, because, wow, it doesn't sound coordinated at all that this is going on at the that same bill, time. That bill would help end voter suppression in the states. Get dark money out of politics. Give voice to the people at the grassroots level. Create a fair district maps and end partisan political gerrymandering. Sure it would. Last month, Republicans opposed even debating, even considering for the People's Act. Mm -hmm. Senate Democrats stood united to protect our democracy and the sanctity of the vote. We must pass the For the People Act. It's a national imperative. Oh, there it is, a national imperative. And like, just a total coincidence that all of this would happen on the same day. The left wants to do everything they can to get this bill passed. And worst case, if that fails, they can rake in a bunch of donations on the back of us Texans who just want reasonable election reforms and to not have 
themselves represented by a bunch of insane people who, by the way, got on a flight together, a charter flight, and took it up to D.C. I guess you just don't need masks on charter flights. I guess that's the way this works. Democrats claim these bills are an affront to democracy. However, what they are doing in Texas by leaving and not allowing people to get the bills from the representatives that they elected, that is the affront to democracy. Democrats preach constantly about the horrors of January 6th, which we have spoken extensively about. We are not a democracy, but we have elements of democracy that are building blocks for a constitutional republic. And if you truly want to respect those elements of democracy, you have to respect them even when you lose. This goes for everyone, regardless of party. Republicans have run away from votes they didn't like at times as well. And it's always dumb, no matter who's doing it. If you respect democracy in Texas, then you know that the voters of this state selected the Republicans to lead them this time. Those elected representatives are trying to pass bills that are overwhelmingly popular in this state. And you are blocking them by running away from home. It's pathetic. If my team is losing the World Series three games to one, I want them to stay. I want them to fight hard. I want them to win by playing on the field. I don't want them to run away from the city and then later claim they lost, or maybe they never lost because the game wasn't even official. That is a tactic of losers. It's no wonder they went to Washington, D.C. to celebrate it. Summer, it's here. Now, in Texas, it's 147 degrees, but I remember what summer felt like when we were up in New York, when we were in Connecticut, Pennsylvania. It's summer. When everyone's out there, the, the sundresses come out, and the ladies, the guys start showing you their feet and sandals for some reason. No one understands it, but we do it anyway. So when this all happens, you want to have a nice summer wine. You want to have First Leaf. First Leaf is great because you always have the right thing. You always have the summer staple if you need that. No matter what wine, no matter what food you're matching it with, First Leaf can hook you up. First Leaf is a wine club that curates and ships boxes of wine that are perfect for you. You try wine from renowned winemakers all over the world. And they have this like pretty cool system that you go in, you kind of tell them what you like, what you don't like. And then with a 98% accuracy, they can pick wines that you're going to love. First Leaf also saves you time and money. Award-winning wines delivered to your door, 60% off retail. Make summer great with First Leaf. You can even choose which wine you receive and how often they are delivered. It's really easy to customize. If you, if you like a lot of wine, if you like a little wine here and there, you can make it really easy. Pause your subscription anytime as well. Today, they've got this great special going on. Six bottles of wine for $29.95. Now, I'm not a mathematician. But that's a good freaking deal. Plus, free shipping. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Six bottles of wine, $29.95, and free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. Don't forget the slash stew part of the address, because that's how they know. You like this stupid show? Tryfirstleaf.com slash stew. 
I'm thrilled to welcome into the studio Sean Larkin, former host of Live PD and author of the new book, Breaking Blue, Real Life Stories of Cops Falsely Accused. Be sure to grab your copy today. We'll tweet, tweet a link, make sure you can pick it up. Sean, thanks for coming on. Pleasure, Stu. Thank you. Yeah, you know, for people who don't know, like Live PD is one of the most successful shows in the history of cable. Like, I mean, it is a big deal. It was. It, uh, you know, number one uh, cable television show pretty much every Friday and Saturday. Um, thing that blew me away when it really put it into perspective was I think 2019 and 2018, it was the uh, number one DVR television show out of all of TV. A live show. A live show. That's not yeah. normally the case for DVRs. Like people don't, I mean, live sports a lot of times, you, know, you gotta watch it live. Right. Live PD, they wanna go back and watch it. Exactly. And you know, they three hours live every Friday and three hours every Saturday. So That's six incredible. hours, just, just mind boggling. Really incredible. How did you get started? Like, I mean, you're a real officer. Correct. You were in Tulsa. How did you, how did it happen? Man, it was just a fluke deal. It was never one of these deals like, oh, I want to be on television or anything like that. I'd been a cop since I was 23. Mm -hmm. And when the idea of Live PD had come up, uh, just on a fluke deal, me being the supervisor of our gang unit, there was an email that came across uh, about this production company that was wanting to start a program. Mm. And our department told me to respond to it. I did. I actually ended up being one of the featured officers on the show when it first started. Um, the camera crew rolled around with me. And uh, once our contract in Tulsa expired, they had never had an officer actually in studio with Dan Abrams in New York. Mm. And so they gave me an invite just to come up there and, and be in studio. And I went and ratings were good and the, the chemistry was genuine on camera and it just fluke deal turned into this major uh, full-time deal. It's really cool. It's a really yeah. cool story. Very cool. Um, now, on the, in the uh, sort of like scale of shows, there's Live PD and then way down here, there's this show. But this show started like a year ago. So I've been doing this show throughout sort of this sort of cancel culture world. Like it's, we've covered it a lot. And we did one thing where we were talking about what is the most pure example of ridiculous cancel culture. And tons of people say it's Live PD. I mean, it, it struck me as completely ridiculous that the show 100%. ended. Is that how you feel? Yeah, you know, it, it, it did 100%. And when th those type of things were happening last year, um, you know, for me as a police officer, a badge wearing, gun toting cop when that happened, I mean, it was a slap in my face. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a slap in my face for the viewers, just those that watch the show, for those that support law enforcement. And whether people are pro-police or anti-police or not sure about the police, the show was just essentially like a documentary. It's just like, hey, here it is. This is it unfiltered. Yeah. This is what's going on in the country. It's not just the show wasn't there to show police as heroes or, or you know, these American icons or anything like that. It was just, hey, this is law enforcement in the country. We're going to show it to you all over the country. And for it to be canceled uh, after what was going on last year, uh, you know, my personal opinion, it was a disgrace. Very, very disappointed. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like a disgrace to, I know, to me, to everybody in the audience as well. Completely ridiculous. Um, it seems to me that if you're someone who wants to make sure transparency is a real thing for the police, that if there are bad police officers, you might catch them. This would be beyond your wildest dreams, right? Like this is, if they could, you know, someone who wants to, uh, who doesn't like the police and doesn't think they do a good job and wants everything on camera, this would be like a policy they would request and never receive. It's impossible. We, we can't, we can't film every single interaction. 
they get it and then they don't want it anymore. I don't understand. Uh, well, and that's exactly even the bad guys that I dealt with on the street, they were disappointed to see the show gone because they enjoyed watching it. They did. And yeah. these are guys that don't like the police. Right. Um, and, you know, whatever happened to, hey, if you don't like something, turn the channel. Right. Um, you know, people easily could have done that, those that complained about it. But you hit it right on the head. People want transparency for law enforcement, as they should. Yeah. But they don't want it, transparency if it shows what the what the public's doing wrong or what law enforcement has to do dealing with that. They only want it one-sided. It's like, yeah, we want to see everything going on in law enforcement, but it's only if the, we can catch the cops doing something wrong. We don't want to see what society's doing wrong. Right, right. Let me, let me bring into a, a video clip that came out. This is a few weeks ago, an interaction between an officer and someone who was pulled over. You may have seen it. It, it, was, it was pretty viral. Let's watch. Yes, you are, ma'am. Good morning. Which is, and the speed limit is 40, and I was going 38, so why are you harassing me? You are me? correct. I pulled you over because... because you're a murderer. Because uh, yes, I started to record because you can't you're a murderer. Be a, you can't be on your cell I, phone I while you're driving. I was on my phone. I was recording you because you scared you can't, me. You can't use your cell I phone can while you're recording. you. May I have your driver's license? I, it's... It's at my apartment. And can you call your supervisor, please? Because I, I already did. He's on his way. Good, because you're a murderer. Okay. Um, I am enforcing the law. I have a right to record the police when they're harassing me. By all means. But you can't do it while you're driving. I was, I can, I wasn't, doesn't texting or none of that. Do you have, and you, have that you picture? scared me and made me think you were going to murder me. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Well, you're, that's not just a feeling. You're a murderer. And I'm perfectly legal, and I'm a teacher. So oh. there. Congratulations. Murderer. You're a murderer. He's only citing you for using your cell phone while you're driving. That's it. There you go, ma'am. Sign inside for the red box a, right there. For him being a Mexican racist. What is that name? Gas. It's on the citation, ma'am. Here you go, Mexican racist. You're always going to be a Mexican. You'll never be white. You know that, right? You'll never be white, which is what you really want to be. There you, you go, be dear. White. Thank Have you, a good day. How, how familiar is that type of interaction? Uh, it, it doesn't happen probably as much that people might think, but it does happen on a regular basis. You know, it's disappointing that when the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department put that out, that they blurred the woman's face. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm like, man, come on, put her face out there. You know, this one was an educator. She's a teacher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let her be seen. Um, but, but it's people that are very, very uneducated. You know, here, here's a teacher that's calling this police officer a murderer. And I think statistically, police have something like 60 million contacts total in mm. the U.S. a year. And, you know, roughly the average is like a thousand uh, officer involved shootings result in death. So if you look at that percentage, you know, when she called him a murderer or just, uh, you know, this misconception that police are running around just randomly killing people. Yeah, it, it's such a tiny percent. And that thousand, almost every one of them is justified. Yeah, right. Uh, it's you know? very, very true. Uh, and the, the numbers show this and prove it out over and over and over, over and over and over again. again. Uh, one thing that struck me about that video in particular and many that have been on live PD as well is it's almost an important thing to show people because I think what happens is you have uh, obviously when there are bad interactions or questionable interactions, mm -hmm. you always have somebody with a cell phone that shows it and it goes all over the place. And it seems like the, the police response to that a lot of times has been to show really great moments like here's an officer with a, a kid. Here's an officer helping right. someone in a community. But in a way, like as bad and as cynical as it is, I think this stuff needs to be seen more, especially when it's paired with the, how restrained he is in dealing with it. Because I you know if I had someone talk to me like that, I would not act like that officer. Well, does. And that's what I would say. There, there are people that 
Uh, I made the statement one time on Live PD. There are people that talk to cops in ways like that that they would never do if they ran into a person in a bar. Right. Because they know they are going to be able to get away with it as for someone in uniform. Um, you know, and, and just as you hit on about the little cell phone clips and things like that, that's why that show was so important for me as a, as a police officer. I had messages through social media and things like that from people across the country that said they had no idea you know, what police actually are dealing with. Because all they typically see is a little cell phone clip or something that's gonna start off the news at night and they don't get the full story. Mm -hmm. So when the camera crew was with a police officer and goes, hey, I'm gonna stop this car because it ran a stop sign. And they stop it and they walk up, hey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Reason I stopped you ran a stop sign. And that guy right away is, you know, F you and you know, cussing you out and going mm. off. And then he's got warrants for his arrest. He doesn't want to get out the car and he's got a gun. You go to arrest him. Next thing you know, you're in a fight. Well, the cell phone video only shows you that fight where right. the cop is punching a guy. Right. But you don't see everything that led up to this. Yeah. And that's what was great about that show. Where are you on the generalized policy of, of the um, uh, dashboard cams, the body cams? It strikes me as that this is really helpful for officers. I, it seems often that, you know, it's the it's the side that is accusing officers of crimes that want them. But I think it seems to benefit the officers more than anybody else. Yeah. You know, I was in the uh, I, I just recently retired and yeah. I was a cop almost 25 years. So I was there to see the transition as technology um, came into our profession. Police officers were kind of creatures of habit. So we were not a big fan at first when laptops came into the car, when a sure. dash cam, when a body cam. But as you got used to having those things, you saw what a tool they were. Um, and so I personally was a fan of all of them eventually. Um, but it, 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 again, it goes back to, you know, holding people accountable. And statistics have shown that complaints have dropped in agencies that have body cams, have dash cams. Now, for us on the law enforcement side, we say complaints have dropped because people know they're being recorded, <laughs> so yeah. they're not going to make false allegations, mm. which is what kind of what my book talks yeah, about. Yeah. The other side of it, they go, well, cops aren't doing things wrong now because they know they're being recorded. So it kind of you can spin it both ways. But both are good, right? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah if, like, if, if there's less allegations of misconduct, it's good. Yeah. Like, I, you know, that, coming back to live PD, it's like, they, you know, at the very least, you have a bunch of police of, uh, officers who are on camera. At least, you know, they are not going to do anything that you don't like, even though I would argue that that's not happening nearly as much as they, they accuse. Right. You. And I think that's kind of what your book gets into. You guys, you have stories of officers who were falsely accused. Can you kind of give me one that kind of sets the tone for the book? What's the one that, that makes you, that makes people kind of sucked in to see this stuff happens all the time? Well, you know, my own situation that I went through takes up about a third of the book, and that mm. took place in 2010. Um, there's a series of other stories of other cops I've interviewed across the country two of them separate, they each went to prison for something they didn't do wrong. But just a small example of one that recently happened, and it talks about the play of social media and the way things mm. get out of control and people jump on the bandwagon without educating themselves or knowing facts. Um, there was a officer that stopped a vehicle, a passenger in the car was lying about his name. Happens every day, all day long around the country to us. The officer figures out who the guy is, he has a warrant for his arrest. He wants to arrest him, and the suspect takes off running. Well, they're on the side. They're on the highway. He jumps over the guardrail on the side of the highway. Unbeknownst to him, it's like a 25-foot drop. Oh wow! And he suffers facial injuries and a broken arm or something like that. So he is in the hospital, arrested for his warrant, um, being treated for his injuries. His family gets on social media and spreads that the police beat him. 
and it spreads like wildfire. The police department starts getting threats coming into them. People already start protesting. And so luckily they had body cams. And so within a day or so, the police department puts the body cam out that shows this guy run, leap off this, um, over the railing. And in fact, the officers run down and they immediately treat him for his injuries. Wow. But it's just, uh, that's just an example of something that's in there. Um, that's probably the, uh, one of the smaller of the stories. Sure. The other ones will blow people's minds away about the uh, accusations. And, and what was so important to me about putting this out, are these type of a- accusations are made and nobody is held accountable. Um, mm. You know, the, the people that are putting these things out, whereas us and law enforcement, we make a minor Scribner's error in a report. If we're testifying that, hey, I was driving 50 miles an hour when I stopped him, when your dash cam shows you were driving 40, you're accused of being a liar and a dirty cop and all these type of things. It's just, it's tough. It it really is. It's an impossible, I mean, I always say the best people among us, you guys are, because you're out there protecting us and you're constantly just accused of terrible things. All the time. I don't, I can't tell you how many times I said on the show, if I was in Atlanta, if I was in Minneapolis over this past year, there's no way I'm showing up for work. There is no way nope. the way you guys are treated. Um, one thing I thought was really fascinating coming off of uh, last summer, and as we were talking about, um, you know, th- what happened with George Floyd and the video that came out, mm-hmm. and what people were saying over and over again is that, you know, here he is, he's lying on the ground, he's saying, I can't breathe. And, you know, how can this possibly happen? And we had officer after officer call up and say, everybody says. Everybody does. Is that true? That, it, that's uh, All the time. I mean, you're, you're struggling with somebody, whether you're on top of the ground, pepper spray, um, you know, things like that. I mean, pepper spray is administered all the time. It's yeah. a great tool for us in law enforcement. And you hear it all the time. They know yes. that it's powerful. They know it's going to make people change their behavior. Yep. How can you, in these impossible moments where... You know, you have to make life and death decisions with with no room for error. How can you possibly make these determinations? How did you do it? You know, it's uh, a lot of experience, obviously. Um, but it, it, you know, what happened up there was a was a tough deal, obviously, um, oh, a yeah. horrible deal that, that you know with a, a terrible result. Um, it goes back to training. A lot of it does, you know, and I know it's a big push for the national training. And I don't know if we even have time for that type of conversation. I don't know how you have Tulsa, Oklahoma, which all officers are required to have a bachelor's degree and have since 1997, how you can expect the officers in Tulsa with the budget they have for some small town department in Georgia mm. with six officers to have the exact type of training, Sure, you know, and I don't know how you get it there, uh, but a lot of it does just come down to training. Mm. All right. The big question. Yes, sir. Is Live PD coming back? Man, fingers are crossed. Mm. I promise you uh, <laughs> that everybody that is involved in that show, from Dan Abrams, the, the, the host, to the production side of things, to the crews that are out in the field, everybody still has their fingers crossed. I think if there was a time for it to come back more than ever, right now it is needed. We will see. Yeah, and we were talking off the air a little bit before we started that people describe it as the red zone uh, of of police. And this is exactly what it is. It's kind of bringing you right into the action. It should be back. It was completely ridiculous that it that it's gone, and I, I hope it does come back. But you have the book out, uh, Breaking Blue: Real Real Life Stories of Cops Falsely Accused. You have a podcast too. I do. That's that's big I news. I do. Yeah. So I'm a big bourbon collector myself, uh-huh. and a buddy of mine who's actually a nurse. He's a COVID nurse and ICU nurse. Um, he and I have started up a podcast called Cop- Cocktails and Cocktails. <laughs> oh, very and nice. You can find it on you know. Uh, uh, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and things like that. So it's basically happy hour. Um, mm-hmm. It is, we don't get into all the political type of police talk or anything sure. like that. 
Um, basically, we have a guest on each week with a different drink and kind of just uh, just chop it up and have a good time. I always say, always find a way to drink at work. That's I'm a how big, <laughs> I'm a big, you can't, you could not do that no, in law enforcement. I will not tell you your that. old job. So, have the new job, drink at the new job. That's, that's totally fine. Yes, sir. Uh, Sean Larkin, man, this is a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. Might as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing America with me tonight. Let's continue over on Instagram. We can do it all together. Be sure to follow my page at Stu Does America. Keep up to date with what's going on. Uh, we get cool uh, Instagram uh, photos and videos and all that other stuff. Uh, I try to do as much as I can there. Uh, I don't think before, I don't know what, uh, before the show started, certainly, um, but really for a while into the show, I don't think we posted anything on Instagram. We're really, really active there. We've gone all the way up uh, over 15,000 followers now. We really appreciate you checking it out. And it gives us a chance to screw around and do some fun stuff as well. So check it out. Instagram, uh, Stu Does America. So who is doing America in 2024? Hmm. There's a couple things I think I know about 2024 already. Number one, if Donald Trump runs, he will be the Republican nominee. I don't know. I just need to be proven wrong on that first. <laughs> I just think that is like, I, I think that's the most fundamental part of this race. If he wants it, it's his. Secondarily, if he doesn't want it right now, it's Ron DeSantis uh, to lose, I think. Uh, he seems to be the second guy uh, there. And it's an interesting sort of dynamic because if both of them run, Donald Trump is going to absolutely, he's going to be out ahead of um, Ron DeSantis, but they're also going to fight a lot. But again, you know, I mean, he basically told, you know, said Ted Cruz's wife was ugly and that his, you know, that his dad killed JFK and other friends. So, like, I don't know that any of this stuff means anything. It seems to be just everybody fights when, a, when, a, when an election is going on. Uh, but that's basically where we are right now. We showed you the CPAC poll, which I think exaggerates, but roughly gives you a picture about where we are. That Trump is number one by a, a lot. Uh, number two is DeSantis. And then there's kind of the field behind them. Well, Christy Noem was speaking at um, uh, at CPAC, and she's in that group of the field. I think she's a uh, someone who uh, conservatives generally like. They see her as someone who's smart and a potentially good candidate, uh, but hasn't really broken out outside of maybe talk radio circles. And one of the things that's gone on is I think one of the, the decision points for conservative voters right now is to look at the pandemic and say, who did the best job? Who leaned into freedom most successfully? And there's sort of this battle going on between multiple governors to kind of say, hey, I was the one that did this the best. This has been sort of talked about here at The Blaze quite a bit on, on some of our shows uh, between DeSantis and Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, in that you know, Abbott had a mask mandate on for a while. Um, both states have been relatively free compared to uh, the rest of the country. Uh, but Christy Noem has an argument here. And she, you know, as bringing up a point uh, to separate herself from some of the other governors uh, that are in red states around the country. Watch. We talk about rewriting history. Let's talk about rewriting history. We've got Republican governors across this country pretending they didn't shut down their states, Ooh. that they didn't close their beaches, Ooh. that they didn't mandate masks, ah. that they didn't issue, issue shelter in places. Now, I'm not picking fights with Republican governors. A little. All I'm saying is that we need leaders with grit, that their first instinct is to make the right decision. 
that they don't backtrack and then try to fool you into the fact that they never made the wrong decision. Mm. Hey, that's uh, I'm not trying to pick fights. I mean, you kind of are. And I don't know. I think it's a good idea. I think this should, this should be kind of fleshed out a little bit. We should all kind of remember, uh, you know, how this how this went and who did what. Now, Christina, you know, we talked about this. We did a show, uh, I don't know, a couple of months ago trying to really kind of we made a little algorithm of our own went through kind of made a little rating system up of who was who who dealt with the pandemic best who was able to balance freedom and performance the best now Chrissy Noem uh, had either the freest or the second freest I can't remember uh, which one it was approach she didn't um, shut down at all she allowed large gatherings uh, very early, uh, much, much quicker than anyone else. She really didn't pass much of anything when it came to sta statewide mandates. And she was lauded for those efforts by uh, conservatives, generally speaking, who said, hey, we'd like a governor who in a in a time of struggle is going to step up and say, you know what? I'm not going down these roads. I'm not mandating things. I want people to be able to make their own decisions. We'll make recommendations. We'll do what we can. But we do not want to force it on people now. Arguably, uh, that led to a, uh, a higher death toll per capita. You can argue these things. I know, um, you know, I, I think there's inconsistent stories told by that approach, however. But, you know, unfortunately, South Dakota was hit really hard at one point with the pandemic and their numbers per capita are really high. Now, it's a small state, so sometimes that stuff can get out of control. It's going to be interesting to watch all this play out because, you know, there's one thing we could say for sure. Christy Noem you know, mandated less things, uh, did less of the sort of shutdown styled policy than pretty much any other governor in America. And if that is going to be the thing that decides the 2024 election, I mean, she's got to be a top contender. I mean, she she did do what is described by talk radio types um, more consistently than Ron DeSantis did more consistently than Greg Abbott did, more consistently than probably any other governor in America. And that's something that is notable uh, in a very difficult time. Uh, now, she's had uh, she's had some bumps with the con conservative sort of um, Twitter sphere over uh, issues uh, surrounded the transgender sports uh, situation that we've talked about earlier before. All that stuff's going to play out. But it's interesting to watch. That's uh, a pretty direct broadside. Uh, and a pretty direct attempt to separate herself from other Republican governors. We'll watch that as it develops. Um, a couple other things for you here as we move along. Christina Grieven Cuomo. She is, uh, you'd think she's grieving because she's a Cuomo. No, that's just her name. Christina Grieven Cuomo. She is, uh, she, they found out that she was in the 1997 address book of one Jeffrey Epstein. A strange development. Now, I don't know that this means anything per se. There was a 2004 um, uh, address book that famously named a lot of big name celebrities in Jeffrey Epstein's uh, care in this book. Uh, they're not saying she did anything wrong, but people are insinuating she did, which is why I brought it up. Now, that's unfair, <laughs> frankly. But look, Andrew Cuomo is awful. Chris Cuomo is worse. We know those things are true. They're on cups. You can get your mug at studosmerch.com or chriscuomoisworse.com. That's how we know these things are true. I've always said this, you know, the Cuomo family, Andrew and Chris, are awful and worse. The rest of the family might be great. 
But she was the one telling us to do bleach baths to cure COVID, so I'm not a huge fan. Anyway, it's just a very strange detail. She wasn't in the second address book of Epstein, so maybe they had a little falling out. Remember, he was tied in very closely to people, particularly on the left, but some on the right as well. Anyone with money, Epstein was around, um, and you know he did a lot of other things as well. Back in a second. Very long ago, Built Bar came into my life. How did it come into my life? Well, my wife discovered them. And when my wife discovers something, not only does she talk about it to me all the time, she talks about it on Instagram all the time, over and 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 over again, because she loves Built Bars. Built Bars are, I don't know, you have these like, like the Model T was an invention, right? And eventually they got, the cars started to be good and cool and do good things. That's kind of like, you know, like protein bars came out a while ago, but they were never right until Built Bar got a hold of them. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors. You know, uh, we're talking coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. They have a bunch of like limited time flavors that they do. They have all sorts of cool things that they're always coming up with. They're very inventive, and I like that. Um, they, they have the mixed box as well. You can get two of each of the nine main flavors. It's a great way to go to get started. Give it a shot. Built Bar, they're healthy. They fill you up. They've got like 130 calories. And you can just go get them at Built.com. Built.com. Use the promo code STU15. You will save 15% off your first order. STU15 for 15% off at Built.com. Get a Built Bar. Built.com. If you haven't already, head to your favorite podcast sub, uh, provider and subscribe to this show, Stu Does America. You get the same amazing show, but you don't have to wear out your eye holes with this sad mug on your screen every day. While you're there, be sure to leave us a five-star rating, which, as we all know, is the appropriate number of stars. And a nice short review. Really, I don't care what you write at all. It's great. Whatever. I'll read some of my favorites on the show. So let's do some of those now. Funny guy. Smart. Entertaining. And cute. Aw, great podcast. Love your show, too. We love you in California. I love you as well, California. Five freaking stars. Uh, high bar. This podcast is even better than the Eagles offensive line. Isn't that true? Um, I hope not, honestly, because I care much more about the Philadelphia Eagles and their offensive line than I do this stupid show. But I do appreciate the five freaking stars. And Doge approved. Such great. Very whatever. Many funnies. Five Freaking stars. Doge, by the way, it's like at 20 cents. Been a bumpy ride for Doge over the past few weeks. You can tell how good Doge is doing, depending on how much people are talking about it and tweeting about it and covering it. We talk about crypto all the time, no matter what's going on. But still, you know, it's been a little bit of a rough go for Doge. Maybe Elon will get back to tweeting very, very soon. Back in a second. People are getting really pissed off because I guess people have goldfish. They don't want to flush them down the toilet, kill their little pet. So they've been throwing them into the into the lakes. And people are getting all upset because they're growing to be like 14 feet long. Uh, the size of footballs, not quite 14 feet long. But do we have a picture? I mean, this is like a pretty cool. I mean, it's a big size. Like, you know, it's a football sized goldfish. And like people are all upset. Oh, they're taking over the environment. Don't they deserve that chance? You know, I, I feel like I can defend the people who are doing this. You know, it was, I believe, this is the origin story of the Ninja Turtles. 
and the Ninja Turtles should have the right to be able to try to take over the sewer, make that their environment. Same thing with goldfish. If they if they take over the, the lake, they take over the lake. And you know what? You other species, I don't know, do something about it if you want to have if you have some trouble. Survival of the fittest, right? I think uh, I think that makes sense. And I think that plays out in in the whole uh, lake ecosphere situation. By the way, I will say around the lake, there's some other weird stuff going on. Um, there is a bear in Colorado uh, walking around with a bucket on its head. And <laughs> it's a cute little bear. He's got a cute little bucket on his head. What could possibly go wrong with a bear with a bucket on its head? I don't know. Um, if you live in Boulder County, Colorado, keep an eye out for that uh, bear with a bucket on its head. I would not recommend approaching the bucket bear, or honestly any bear at all, unless, of course, it's for a really sweet selfie, because who gets pics with a bucket bear? Rock stars do. Rock stars get those pictures, okay? So feel free, walk up to the bucket bear. Don't do that uh, for legal reasons. Uh, by the way, wokeness is weakness. Available now, the new t-shirt. Online wokeness is weakness.com. <laughs>